0: Good afternoon, evening, morning, whatever time you guys are listening. You are uh, online here with Mike Krupka and Josh Finney for the This Believe Land is Your Land podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, Feels like a a, a happier uh, post-loss crowd on the internet today than um, it was this time last week. I think that um, the, the the good news of the team taking some of the the problems that they were experiencing seriously and trying to work through uh, some tangible changes last week kept everyone in a good mood that lasted even through what was kind of expected to be a pretty bad beating uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs and turned out to be exactly what was expected. I know I know I personally uh, didn't have as hard a time watching the Browns game this Sunday as I usually did it was it was pretty easy to see. The The changes that they had enacted, and it was pretty easy to see where they really need to grow as a team and why they were were coming up short. So there wasn't a lot of expectations coming in. I think that in a lot of ways they were more competitive than they were expected to be, especially on offense. um There's good news, and there was bad news throughout the game, especially on the injury front. Mike, uh, how did you
1: experience Sunday's slug best? Yeah, I think it was sort of what we, you and I talked about with John last week on the podcast in that it was just a different brand of football. I mean, I didn't expect to win. I don't think we expected to win, but I mean, you could see it off the bat with the play calling on the offensive side and it made it even more of an egregious slap in the face to Hugh, you know, about what he did and didn't do trying to force that, that square peg in a round hole for three years. And just seeing the, the change there was a breath of fresh air, seeing different motions, seeing Duke Johnson used to a significant amount was, was awesome I mean he obviously performed like we've been everybody just about and Brown's Twitter and Brown's fandom everywhere has been saying you need to use this guy and you start to use them and lo and behold, you, you see what he can do. So that was great to see, you know, we still continued some, some problems on special teams, which why we still have, you know, coach Amos is, is still um, a question that we're all asking. And I think that that punt to begin the the, the second half kind of just took away any chances that, that I think we felt internally that we could win that game because you got you got to go blow for blow with Kansas City and if you're not getting stops and you're not scoring then you're just falling behind so I don't know all in all I mean for me personally it was it was a great great game to watch it was fun at least I mean I think that was the result I expected and the the, the crappy part was just the injuries that we walked away with
0: yeah and you know what um that was actually the the things that I saw both on offense and defense is I saw a team that was playing more like a team. I saw less of the just like ridiculous mental mistakes. I thought guys were in the right position, both offensively and defensively to make plays and they just didn't execute. And the, and the Browns margin for error on offense is just not as much as it is on other teams. They're not ripping off chunk plays like you saw Kansas city. So, so you saw, you saw a lot more cogency on, on offense. And I appreciated that. That was good to see And on defense. They just couldn't tackle, save, save their lives. Um, but given the amount of injuries that they had to the linebacking core and the defensive backfield, like, I thought that they played all right. They kept – you know, you take out the uh, special teams uh, block punt that, that set them up for a an yep. score. And for the most part, you kept Kansas City below their season averages. Um, it didn't look like that at the time. It looked like they were just kind of doing whatever they wanted. But oftentimes that was because they had an opportunity to get off the field up their down and failed to make a tackle. Or a missed tackle would turn what would be like a five- or six-yard gain into a uh you know a big chunk play so so really I felt like that was the difference on defense and I thought that offense it was just little stuff Uh, when I watched their when I watched the way that they they executed the game plan you mentioned Duke Johnson it was (laughs) it was just an incredible breath of fresh air to see them using him the way that that dudes have been screaming about for three years like why can't we get back to the way that uh coach Flip utilized him in in 2015 and it really took a lot of pressure off of Baker I thought that they had a lot they, they emphasized not hanging in on these seven step drops, not hanging in the pocket for a long time, waiting for stuff to develop field. They got the ball out of his hands. There was a lot of short slants. There was some some dump quick dump offs. And on third down, rather than waiting for somebody to uncover, if he got to a second or third read quickly and didn't have anybody open, they had the check down built into whatever the, the play was. And and there's been a lot of argument about whether that's Baker trying to, to, to make stuff happen too much downfield or whether there is an opportunity for him. But through Jake Burns, uh, you know, draft uh, or, or Brown's film breakdown, he's shown you on a lot of these plays, there just isn't an option for Baker to go with. There isn't a check down option. So he's scrambling and he's looking to, to get somebody as part of that scramble drill. And that's just not, not going to be realistic. But, but, I, but generally speaking, I like the game plan. And I feel, I felt like that game against the Chiefs was probably the first time in the Hugh Jackson and, and immediate post Hugh Jackson era, where I felt like we were doing what we needed to do to protect a, a young quarterback or protect a guy that that isn't going to put the team on their back and carry them. It looked a lot like, in a lot of ways, what they were doing with Carson Wentz, you know, two years ago under Doug Peterson. And that's what I've been screaming about last year with Kaiser. That's what I was screaming about with Kessler. That's what um, we needed to be doing with Baker in a lot of cases. And that we don't want to restrict his creativity or restrict his his nature, but he's got to at least have a, a safety valve. He's got to at least have a check down. And we saw a lot more of that. And it just made a lot more sense. Um, There wasn't as many throws out in the boundary that were, you know, low percentage plays, you know, they kept the game much more in the middle of the field and and they were rewarded with what for the most part, looked like pretty cogent offense. If they stopped, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, it was, it was a game that they were going to score 30 points. And, and it was just, you know, y- young, inexperienced players that kept them from doing that. So I was by and large, pretty happy. You're never happy with the, with the loss, but I wasn't mad about it afterwards. I wasn't sitting about like three hours later thinking like, what are the, what are these guys doing? What is this crap? Like, it all made sense to me. So, so I wasn't with, – with, with a couple small notable exceptions, I wasn't too mad after that game was over. But, but those notable exceptions were pretty pretty notable.
1: <laughs> Noted, Josh. No, but uh, to, to step in, it, it's – the thing that I walked away with is legitimately for the first time, and maybe since, you know, our last win, I feel like the, the, the team was one or two or three plays away from actually being in this game. You know if, you, if Callaway catches that touchdown in the end zone to get it's a different game. if we don't get that punt blocked, you never know it's a di- it's a different game. if he had Najoku open on that on that post route, you know headed headed out to the to the boundary instead of uncharacteristically overthrowing him you, you know you pick up another chunk play, you're moving down the field things like that I mean <clears throat> we can't seem to stack all those things together just yet but for for me anyways in seeing it it was for the first time, but the plays were designed for, for that opportunity to actually be there for us. So something to build on as we move forward.
0: Yeah, and we're going to talk about coaches and coaching in general and where to go from here. But for the most part, I didn't really feel like the coaches were getting the least out of their players. I felt like for the most part, they, they were getting the most out of guys and they were putting guys in the roles that they should be playing. So that was it was a nice place to be. One guy that they continued to put in a place to play to his strengths and just didn't um, on defense, we talked about it a bit, was Jamie Collins. I really had a hard time with Jamie Collins – this this week he was the one guy that on tape kind of stood out to me what did what did you see when he was in on 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 these plays and these snaps
1: yeah I mean to be honest I haven't looked at him with a microscope like some like some people have but what I have noticed is just some what I'll say is just some really bad inconsistencies I mean he's one week he'll play well and then the next week you don't even notice that he's on the field or you see examples like you saw in this game and previous games where it seems like he's almost loafing and, and not trying or I, I don't know what but you know when you're on the goal line and you're kind of just like looking at the play develop in front of you instead of sticking your head in there it's what, what's going on here man like what are we trying to do with so I disappointed him for sure I, I know I I had high expectations of him coming out of, of school being a, an athletic freak I, I wrote a you know an article yeah. about him Dogs oh, by nature yeah I loved him coming out I really did, but yeah, I, I just I we can't seem to solve the I don't know if it's a motivation issue or if it's just maybe he's not that good at what we're asking him to do. But unacceptable by any means. Uh, it Made a again some some missed tackles and some lack of effort plays that impacted the the game and impacted the other team scoring on us. So um, I would hate to be uh, <laughs> I would hate I would actually love to, to listen to what Greg Williams had to say to him.
0: Yeah, and I mean. Doug, Greg Williams had really positive things to say about him after the game. And and I don't know if that's a we're going to we're going to praise in public and criticize in private, um, which I'm always, you know, a big fan of. I I thought that Doug uh, Lesmeres, Lesmeries over at the Plain Dealer had had a really good piece on it. I retweeted it um, where he talks about how Jamie Collins never gets posterized, like he never gets dunked on. uh, And he's never in the frame for these like awful plays, because if it's not fundamental form tackle type opportunity, he doesn't get involved in plays where he knows he's going to fail. Um, he just kind of funnels people to other to other guys on the field, and I thought that that was a good a good criticism. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked yeah. that. I thought that um, you know, he's a guy that plays fine, but when he's supposed to be a top five, six linebacker in the league, salary wise, he's not a he's not a leader, and he's not a um, he's not a guy that's going to be a game breaker on defense. He's not a guy that's going to do something that's going to cause bad decisions on offense, and it's going to lead to turnovers. He's he's a guy that's that's going to make the plays as they're in their zone that he's expected to, and he's not going to do much else. So yeah, at a, at a certain point, I'm going to stop complaining about. Jamie Collins, because I think that we're not long for each other. I think that he could do without. You saw him bounce out of the locker room early uh, on Sunday without answering questions. And I think that he would rather be in a different situation. He played with some some fire in his belly when he got traded. The first couple games after he came over from New England, you saw the kind of player that he can be in in you know on this defense. Right. And it's just, you know, it, it, we haven't seen it since. We, we, we had a, a couple good games stretched there right before the trade deadline where I think he was trying to showcase himself uh, right. And when nobody wanted that contract, we were we were stuck with it for the rest of the season. So so I just I, I don't want to expend too much breath on a guy that I don't think is going to be in the Browns' long term plans. We need linebackers, even even guys who aren't playing up to potential linebackers. We just need bodies in there. So until we can replace, you know, Jamie Collins with a NFL caliber linebacker, then I, I think we're stuck with him. The, guy, the, the 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 players that jumped out of at the tape for me this week was actually kind of in a good way. It was was the tackles Chris Hubbard and Greg Robinson. I thought that uh, the difference between Desmond Harrison and Greg Robinson were was significant. And you don't ever want to be in a position where a dude that's on his third team within his first contract or, you know, within his first five years in the league is such a noticeable upgrade at a key position that, right. that he was the sixth highest graded player on the, on, on the offense per uh, pro football focus. He was, he was a guy that you don't want to have that kind of a guy making an impact. You don't want to see a Delta of that much from, from, from the guy he was replacing to the guy you replaced. Uh, and I think that this is yet another one of these situations. We saw it with Baker Mayfield. We saw it with Nick Chubb. And now we saw it with Greg Robinson where the coaching staff committed to a guy or committed to a player. And even if they had evidence directly in front of their face that maybe that player wasn't prepared or ready or wasn't going to have an impact, they stuck with it and they uh, and they said that player just needs to execute better. And then you saw the replacement come in and it was like a completely different football team when that person was replaced. When yep. Baker Mayfield had, you know, a, a an average amount of time to throw on Sunday against a, t- a chiefs defensive front that isn't great, but is, you know, capable. And you saw a much more cogent offensive game plan because of that. The week before, as soon as he hiked the ball, he was running for his life, you know, trying to make something out of nothing. And you saw them actually be able to execute a reasonable scheme. And you saw Mayfield, for the most part, uh, play comfortably throughout the day. And it just... You know, you didn't have all the penalties, you didn't have all the stuff going on. I thought the tackles for the first time this season weren't a glaring, obvious, what the F are we doing situation. And that was, and that was nice to see.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I've, I referred to our tackles as a soggy taco shell, getting ready to <laughs> fold it into a Baker Mayfield fajita all season because they just they instantly crumble and fold and it's ridiculous. And
0: why are we putting <clears> taco shells around fajitas? Like those aren't, why are we mixing metaphors here, Mike?
1: we're allowed to do that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anything is possible on the believe this believe land is your believe land podcast guys. <laughs> no, but so I agree and I think the the only point I'll, I wanna, I want to I want to add to that is just that it's going to be interesting to see what the coaches do next because Robinson didn't necessarily start based on his merits but he started because Harrison was sick. Right. And right? we saw, and we saw now that obviously he's an upgrade and just like the other positions you pointed out so, you know, what's Greg going to do? I think yesterday he said that he's not naming a starter just yet. But in my mind, you, you can't look at the tape and walk away and say, OK, well, we got to give Greg another shot because he at least gave my guy, you know, three seconds at least consistently to, yeah. to look for and find the open man. So for me, it's a no brainer. I was very impressed with him. Also, I think Phil doesn't get enough love in Cleveland and it annoys me. Uh, I guess maybe because I'm removed and far away from the, you know, the rivalry, but I think Peppers had another good game. No, he, he was right in there on, on that, you know, the, the Kelsey touchdown. I mean, like right in there. Right in there. That's great coverage. It was an amazing pass from what could be the MVP of the 2018 season. And it was an amazing catch by probably the best tight end in the game right now, arguably anyways, in my opinion. And he was right in there and he, he's been making plays you know, coming down and in the running game. He's he's been doing a lot of good things and I think, you know, the fans like to focus on the one bad play and forget about all the other good stuff. And he he has been contributing quite a bit to this team and I thought he played another good game uh on, on Sunday and I was happy to see it.
0: Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another I could not agree with you more. I think that he's had an excellent season for the most part. And you've seen the growth that you want to see in these guys from one year to the next. We saw it with Kindred, too. Last year, Kindred looked like a much better player than uh, Jabril Peppers because he had a year of playing in the NFL. Like, he knew what was expected of him, and he played much better as a result of that. You've seen a similar jump from Peppers from year one to year two. He's had tight coverage on a couple of these plays in the end zone. And I think that the biggest gripe that uh, fans have about Peppers is that he doesn't stuff the stat sheet with highlight reel plays. Like he doesn't have a lot of, you know, plays where he's getting downhill and he's smashing a wide receiver and knocking the ball out. Um, we've seen a couple of them. We know he's capable of it. He just doesn't have a ton yeah. of them. He doesn't have a ton of picks yeah. or turnovers, but he's played solid. And, and, and the reason that he's not showing up a lot on the stat sheet is because he's doing his job for the most part. He's yeah. not a, he's not a thing that you have to worry about or replace up, up and until the fumble uh, the last week or last uh, the week yeah. before uh, special teams yeah. he, he, he had yeah. got better. You see the kind of guy that he could be and that he's growing into. I, I personally don't know that he's ever gonna live up to his draft slot. Like spending a, a, a low first on a, a box safety, even if he has plus coverage ability, is still a, a pretty pricey, you know, slot for it. But I don't think that he's a guy that you wouldn't include in your core of defensive talent. When a new coach comes in here next year, they're gonna look at a guy like Peppers and say, like, Okay, cool, this is this is the between him and, and Kindred, this isn't a position I have to screw with this year. And I can address right. one of the other places that, that we definitely need an influx of talent. So I like that. Speaking of the draft and an influx of talent, good argument that I think we're going to be having for the next year. Well, the next eight months or so until the draft is early on, what would you think your number one priority going to the draft uh, next year is, given, you know, nine games of the season so far?
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. And this question came from, <clears throat> I believe this one came from Twitter. So thank you for our, as Josh likes to call you, our seven followers that are still listening. Um, <laughs> Thank you for for following along, but it's cool to get you guys questions. For for me, just by pure usage standpoint, and also that, that from what I understand and what I've seen in my <clears throat> limited viewing so far of these prospects on the defensive line is, we have to go on the defensive line. Um, we're we're using Ogunjobi at a galactic rate. Miles galactic. Garrett looks. Miles Garrett looks like he's you know. I, I mean, he's gassed by, you know, by the end of the second quarter. Just things like that. We have to find somebody else to, to rotate in and spell with these guys and give some different uh, – essentially, if you take, you know, the guy that I really like. I know there's the guy from Alabama that everyone's been talking about recently. At least oh, thats so seen.
0: good. Williams?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy with either of these guys. So you, you you think of Oliver or Williams, in my mind, You stick them on the line next to Garrett, next to Joby, You've got Avery on the other edge. You, you have to figure out who you're going to, you know, not double team, right? Someone is going to be open, you know, or have a one-on-one situation. And I would take any of those guys one-on-one with just about anybody. And so I think you have to have that in your repertoire. And I think we also have to address depth as well on, on the defensive line. But my first pick – would be take the one of the best overall talent groups supposedly in this upcoming class and take your best top guy in that class, in in that, in that grouping. And again, I think that should be on the defensive line kind of, you know, in that five or six range where we're projected to be right now.
0: Yeah. And, and one nice thing to, to consider with that is that this is a really deep defensive tackle class. There's three or four blue chippers out there already. It might be that, um, you know, if one goes in front of you, that there's still great guys uh, left on the board by the time the Browns pick. I really, really do want uh, them to address that interior defensive line to get, to get uh, more pressure out of those two middle guys. Because you see it when they're able to collapse the middle um, and they can't maneuver yeah. around Garrett and, Oban, or Garrett and um, yep. Avery or Garrett and Ogba, you <laughs> just immediately see catastrophe for, for the yeah. opposing offenses. Because those guys are, are making trouble on the edges every single play. We just don't yeah. collapse that pocket often enough to, to force people into that pressure. We we give people yeah. a lot of options for, for moving away from that pressure.
1: Yeah. I've been a huge proponent of, of creating, of the value of creating pressure from the middle and not just the edge. And yeah. I, I think Ogunjobi does, can do both. He can stop the run and create pressure, but you've got to have more than one guy that can do that. Um, I know, I think, I think Jake Burns was talking about this recently, but you know, what is Agma going to be? Is he gonna end up being a stand up defensive end or do you rotate him inside, ask him to put on some weight and be more of a athletic two gap type of, of, you know, defensive tackle, which I think, based on what I've seen when he's in there, he actually does some pretty good stuff. So I just think you have to get creative and I think it starts with the pieces you have on the roster, but then you've got to bring a guy in and, and create pressure up the middle, free up Avery and Garrett, and then we're off and running.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ogba didn't have the greatest weeks. Um, you know, the, the Kansas City tackles, as, as we're well acquainted with, uh, are, are some of the better ones in football. Uh, he j- he didn't – the previous week you really saw the entire package on Ogba and what he can do uh, as an end. Um, I think that he's got the kind of big frame and long arms where he can play inside or outside. You know, he's, he's just a massive human being. So it'll be – I do like the idea of the flexibility of him moving inside now, especially to get Avery on the field a lot more. But they gotta, they got to add some more bodies in that line. Like you said, they, they just can't afford to continue to throw the same guys out there for 85%, 90% of the snaps. Um, for me, I would love to see one of those blue chip uh, defensive tackle prospects. I love the Williams kid out of Alabama. I love uh, Oliver. I think that's NC State. Um, but for me, the number one priority in this offseason is they got to bring in a, uh, a, a not just a, an average, but a good – option at one of the two tackle spots i don't i don't have a huge amount of preference as to which way they go i think that between hubbard and uh robinson you could probably get ugh, uh, i was gonna say you could probably get mediocre play out of them consistently over the course of the season i don't know if that's true or not but you can have one tackle who isn't elite on your team especially if you have good interior linemen but you can't have both of them failing and i think that that's been through nine games the biggest problem on this team it's just that the the, what was it, the warm, soggy taco that they've made on the outside. That just oh, – that sounds awful, like warm, soggy <laughs> it's taco. Bad. Yeah, it just, right. it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad news. It's bad news for Baker Banfield. It is impacting his development. Um, along with along with Amos Jones getting fired into the sun at the end of the season, uh, I, unfortunately, like, he's he's fun and he's colorful. I got to see Bob Wiley go. And the reason yep. I got to see Bob Wiley go is because not only have the tackles been atrocious this year and not only did they put two guys that were – not prepared for the kind of offense that we're going to run out there at the tackle spots. But even the guys in the middle who are, you know, solid yep. established NFL players <clears> are playing well. Kevin Zeitler is not playing exceptionally well. Joel Batonio right. is not playing exceptionally well. The best pass blocking lineman the Browns have had this year is Tredder. And he's the guy that everyone is trying to run out off the team in the offseason to replace a Corbett. Right. Um, the, yep. the line is playing below their capability. And they, they ran the ball well this week, um, which isn't really a great sign against the Kansas City defense because they let everyone run run all over them. And next week isn't going to look much better against Atlanta because their defense is is also terrible. They've, they've got to bring somebody in who can get the most of the talent on that offensive line. Yep. And, and, yep. and only part of that is bringing in new players. Some of that is these guys in the middle got to play better.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, just real quick, before we move on to the next topic, I, I think it's been interesting to me to see Hubbard kind of do like a parabola this season I felt like he started off really well and then all of a sudden he's kind of just falling off the the ledge and it's got to be attributed to coaching to me and is that what a parabola is well you know it's got a yeah it's kind of like a cone right I don't know I'm I'm I'm
0: I'm googling this right now go ahead
1: (laughs) we should also google google if uh Drango's still on the roster (laughs) we gotta fact check ourselves here yeah um <clears throat> no, but you know, he, he's just kind of he's kind of had an up and a up and then a down season. And uh I would love it if if his colorful commentary about, you know, rhinos and all these, you know, stout animals actually portrayed itself on Sundays, but we're we're seeing the exact opposite and it's frustrating. So I, I agree, you gotta get Amos out of there, you gotta get a new offensive line coach. I think we can I don't know who's out there in free agency, but I, I guess my point is if you're not in love with an offensive tackle think you go defensive tackle and then you just try to address it you know through free agency if, if possible
0: yeah you got a lot of resources i respect that you're not going to find a, you're not going to find good tackles of free agency like it just doesn't exist those guys are out there you got to do it in the draft um they got to throw they've got a ton of draft resources they've got a ton of uh money they've got to throw some resources at the problem they've got to fix those two areas because everything else is not bad it's really not right. like the wide receiver group could, could use an in flux here too, um, but they've got talent in that group. They've got playmakers on offense. You're going to see more and more of that as Baker begins to settle in, as they get somebody who can run a good scheme in-house long-term. But but those are the things that are going to need to be addressed. Just to just to close the loop on the parabola thing, like it's got to go up and down and then back up again or or something to that effect. So I'm not sure it's the best analogy. But we're going to accept it because we can make up facts on the This Land is Your Believe Land podcast. Um, we, we established that earlier. Fake news is rolling today. Maybe that will be the name of the podcast. And speaking of fake news, uh, Hugh Jackson uh, quoted earlier this week saying that he would welcome the opportunity to go to another team as an assistant coach. Um, And since we're talking about coaches, do we think that there's any chance on on God's green earth that he goes somewhere else and resurrects the kind of year that he had with Cincinnati uh, with with, with the offense he had up there? Are we worried about him going elsewhere?
1: No, I'm not. I I, I posted something on Twitter just the other day about, I mean – Hugh claims that he never got to run Hugh's offense in three (laughs) years that he was in Cleveland. And I'm like, dude, you're telling me that you had this silver bullet of a unicorn, of a panacea in your pocket the whole time, and you didn't pull it out once. You just kept it in there until you got fired. And then now you had it this whole time. I'm not convinced he has anything. I think he's a terrible coach. Um, He's trying to consistently – and we heard it in press conferences. I wish I could go back and find that press conference. I know for a fact I bet just about anything that he said these exact words that, you know, fired up. The, the GM has to get me the players that I need for my system. He can't get me good players that I mold my system around. More or less, that's exactly what he said in a press conference. I can't find it, but I, I would bet anything that I remember listening to Hugh Jackson say those words. And I think that's who he is. And so he can go anywhere. I hope he goes to Cincinnati. That would be fantastic. Um, Give him away, and again, I'm not worried about him having having any success. I'm really not.
0: Yeah, I don't really care either. Like, I'm just so sick of hearing the dude talk. Like, I don't, I don't. I'm so excited that we this era is over. And if he goes somewhere else and has success, like, good for him. There must be a lot of offensive talent there because what I've seen from the quotes that you're describing and what I saw from his time in Cincinnati is that if he has, you know, a, an abundance of great players, that like he can probably get it together. He, he did it once. Maybe he can do it again somewhere else.
1: I wouldn't bet money on but it. So could, I. so could I, so could you. I mean, <laughs> geez, I mean, we could, we could, we could at least produce a win or two in a couple of years. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just don't see him. I mean, he, if he falls into that situation, well, of course, I mean, it's kind of hard not to stumble into a couple wins, but I don't think he's ever going to be a dominant. I think he's already seen the, the the apex of his career.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that the way he handled the situation in Cleveland is going to really impact his ability to uh, get another high profile job i think it's a similar deal that he had in cincinnati where he's gonna have to start from the bottom again he's not an old dude he's gonna have to go back and be in my opinion and i could be completely wrong on that And you guys can can uh boat race me on this quote later when he picks up an offensive coordinator gig but i think he's gonna have to go be a uh, uh, an assistant like a wide receivers coach or a tight ends coach and i think he's gonna have to work his way back up into a coordinator role uh just because of way this went down with the obvious exception here being if he wants to come back under the Marvin Lewis umbrella, um, they loved him up there. And, and maybe that can be a thing that they, they recreate. I personally, if I had to choose the outcome of him not being in football or him being a coach on the Cincinnati Bengals, I'd take the latter because I'll put mm. my money against Hugh Jackson being a successful coach somewhere else in the league. Like it is what it is. Like I don't, I don't think that the
1: lightning's going to strike twice there. Um, I mean, would you ever would you ever walk in somewhere and they say, OK, give me the worst odds you can possibly give me and I'm going to put all my money on that? Yeah, I, I don't think there's many people that that do that consistently. Maybe they do it once because, ha, huh, let's see what happens. But you don't consistently put your money on a loser. And that's what he's been his entire career. So.
0: Loser. I agree. Um, moving on from the bashing Hugh Jackson segment that we could literally fill up a podcast with every week. Uh, and this week, like, to close that thought out, this week was just the last nail in the coffin. It was like, oh, it- look, when we stopped doing the same stupid thing every single week, <laughs> like, we actually got a different outcome. Instead of just doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same a- a- outcome and saying, I don't know what you want us to do, they did something different, and they got a different it- outcome. It was amazing. I- I- I
1: couldn't- it's crazy. Um, speaking,
0: it's- of, speaking of lightning cr- – uh, crashing and hitting stuff twice. That's not the, you have even- lightning hitting twice, <laughs> striking light things. Speaking of lightning striking twice, um, as we were interviewing uh, Rob Chudzins- Rob Chudzinski, God, man, I'm having some problems with the English language. As we were interviewing Rob Chudzinski for the Browns head coaching gig, one of the popular candidates at the time was uh, Bruce Arians. Uh, Bruce Arians has his roots in the Cleveland coaching tree. He loves it here. I don't know why, He loves it here. He loves Cleveland. He loves the fans. And he has said now on the air that he'd be interested. And this is the only job that he'd be interested in coming back to. Some of that is that you say shit when you are a broadcaster. Like, you just say things. They don't always mean anything. And I don't know. He might have just been pontificating. I've always loved the guy, Bruce Arians. I I loved him when he was on Mythbusters. I loved him in what he did uh, in Arizona with the Cardinals. I don't know that I love him – as a, uh, a Browns head coach um, here. But I think that if we're talking about retreads, he's got to be up towards the top of the, the, the list for retreads. I, I don't know that his scheme really works in today's NFL compared to the guys who are having success. How, on a scale of one to ten, how excited would you be if that was the guy that they chose to bring in here?
1: Instead of a number, I'll give you an image.
0: Yes. All right. Of Saki Mike,
1: Tacos. Mike Holgram's Doppelganger.
0: Oh, no. Wow, that's a really – that's a really sad image.
1: It is. That's that's where I'm at, and I, I also want to tell the person who put the uh, the Skelly cap on the LeBron banner downtown, don't do that. <laughs> that was a little too much. I couldn't handle that one. No, he's a good coach. He's old. I mean, I'm, let's just be honest, right? He's old, and we've got a a new young rookie quarterback. I, I want I want to not take him off the table, but he kind of came out and gave us the power. If you, if you ask me, he said, you know, look, this is the only team I'm going to come out of retirement for. Okay. Noted. Let me continue my search. And if <laughs> we still want to talk to you later, we'll come back to you. So go, go look at the young, innovative guys like, like Riley, like, um, like, like flip. And I know there's been some talk and some support. I've seen some people I respect very much that, you know, McDaniels would be a good option. I I'm still going to say not Josh McDaniels, but, Again, you just go out and you find someone that you believe is an offensive innovator that can fit and, and and marry up with Baker Mayfield, and and that's who you go and get. I don't think it's it's Bruce Arians. Uh, I, I especially don't like when he talks about bringing in Chuck Pagano uh, or has ties and, and links to that. I I just want a young, innovative, uh, you know, adaptive type of squad that is going to be able to compete in the current NFL, and I'm not convinced that. The Aryan Tire will give us that.
0: Yeah, my, I, I'm with you on wanting, and, and that's the the buzzword of 2018. After Peterson and McVeigh and the, you know, Nagy and the and the other Reed disciples, after you see these guys running, uh, you know, a lot of college concepts, you you running running these innovative offenses. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants that a version of that guy. I'm not sure that John Dorsey is going to be into it. And I'm not sure that John Zoris is going to be into it as a head coach because I think that he is an older school guy. And I think that he is going to want a little bit of stability, but I will say this since the man has come in uh, to the building, he has done nothing but surprise me. Um, yep. I never really, I never really expected Baker Mayfield to be the pick for some of those same reasons. I thought that he represented sure. much more of a, uh, a gamble than uh, somebody like a Rosen or a Darnold would. Um, but he sucked to his guns. He, he, looked at the analytic profile and married it up with what he was, his eyes were seeing and he went there. So I don't really know where he's going to go. I think that as far as the retreads go, as far as the previous uh, head coaching guys go, I talked about Schwartz on this podcast in in Philly uh, coming over as being one of those guys. And I think that Arians would probably be in the top three or four candidates in that, Mm -hmm. in that pile of guys who've done this job before uh, and are probably worthy of another shot. Uh, Obviously the number one priority there. It's it is finding an offensive coordinator that's going to take what Arians wants to do offensively and marry it up to what offenses are doing these days. It's getting a guy like what they did in 2015 with Flip, who maybe doesn't have a ton of offensive coordinator experience, but has has proven that he can innovate and that he can run uh, schemes that will that will provide value, that will add value to it, to what he's trying to do. Arians does a lot of downfield stuff. He's a, he's more of a Coriel guy than anything else. You saw it with. Uh, his offense that he ran in Pittsburgh on Roethlisberger was very effective, but it's just tough. It's tough to sustain uh, that kind right. of offense long term uh, without you know a really solid offensive line or a guy that's just uh, you know going to be uh, capable of, m- of moving around and making plays, making something out of nothing. So I'm not I'm not against it. I don't love it. Um, a lot of my buddies on Twitter, a lot of my friends offline have have asked about Arians because he's an, he's a recognizable name. He's a guy that's actually had success in the NFL. Right. Uh, and he's recognizable, but he, but like you said, he's 66 years old. He'll be 67 next year. There are, there are many more names such as, you know, Lincoln Riley and Matt Campbell that that are going to be much more enticing to, to the fan base. So, so to close out, we're, we're we've got Atlanta on deck uh, this Sunday. Don't feel great about this one for exactly the same reasons. I didn't feel great about the Kansas city game. Atlanta's offense for folks who have not watched it is explosive. You, it's a pick your poison uh, situation with their offensive talent. If you try to, Shade guys over to Julio, Mohamed um, Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper. Their their second through five options will all kill you. Matt Ryan is uh, in in Sarkisian's offense. It's not forcing it to anybody. He's throwing it to the open guy. They're doing a lot of things with motion, a lot of like mesh concepts. They are they're 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 hot. They're on fire. They've been they've been putting points on everybody. And and this offense or this defense, with as banged up as it is, especially out at uh, with at the DBs. And with the bye week on the on, on the on the backside of this game, I think they're going to be really short-handed. there's going to be a situation again where it's going to come down to last person with the ball. And when Cincinnati had that game with Atlanta earlier this year, and I think the final score was like, you know, low fifties to upper forties, they they got the ball last. They they just outlasted Atlanta. I'm not sure that uh, the Browns, as they're structured, have the ability to sustain points like that, even against bad defenses. But I do like that they went in with a scheme to kind of beat that last week to, to control the clock a little bit, to, to wear the defense down on the ground and, and try and keep the offense out of a rhythm and keep it from becoming a shootout. What do you think are, are the keys to this Atlanta game going forward?
1: Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a tough game. Just, you know, another high powered offense, as you pointed out, I, I can't really add too much to, to all those uh, those pieces that you, that you threw into the, to the pot there. It's just, yeah, it's going to be, in order for us to win, it's going to have to be a shootout and we're going to have to find a way to keep our defense off the field. So that means running the ball. That means no three and outs. That means, you know, picking up lots of yards and, and scoring touchdowns and not field goals. Uh, Chubb's going to have to have a big game. Uh, I think I wanted to point this out earlier in the podcast, but this is a good place to point it out. that uh, You know, we, I, I feel we need to put the Joku into a more featured role and not oh, yeah. just kind of here and there, you know, like actually build the offense that we have right now around Najoku and Chubb and then get the other guys involved as needed. I mean, he's, he's a playmaker. He's got a size advantage. I think getting him involved again is going to be important, especially inside the seams. He's been, he's been lights out. He's been just a beast inside the seams. So get him involved, you know, as quickly as possible, build the offense around him this week, uh, get Callaway involved on play action. Um and those are some of the things that I can think of that, that we're gonna need to do to to score points. And then defensively, uh yeah, I mean we're 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 banged up, so it, it doesn't look too good for us there. I I'm not really sure what the answer is. It's just guys who gotta step up and we're gonna see if they can.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see a lot more of an Njoku. I know he's not a huge fan favorite. Um they're still for whatever reason this this idea that he should be uh Travis Kelsey at this point 15 games in his career i I've, I've seen him over the last couple of weeks get better and better and better um he caught yeah. he caught everything uh, thrown in his area last week he had I think five receptions on six targets or four on five with the only exception yeah. being the ball that he was wide open on that that Baker missed him on um, he's getting better and he is the he's one of the few guys in that group that um that, that can take the ball and really turn it into a chunk play you know he's a size right but I also would like to see them get Higgins more involved. I I didn't feel like he was a focal point of the offense last week. And I think some of that is just, you know, working him back into form, but the pass catchers last week were better. Uh, Callaway, you know, Callaway caught the ball a lot more than he usually did. He had some tough catches, you know, Higgins caught everything that was thrown at him like he has all season. And, you know, and Joku had a good week. Um, Maybe, maybe that's the best thing to look forward to this week and going forward is can the pass catchers continue to get better and build chemistry with Baker and, and find a rhythm in this offense.
1: Yep, no doubt. And I think, you know, I want to see Baker make a jump again, uh, just consistently, you know, especially coming out of the bye week. But I'd like to see him make another jump this week, even though he's up for rookie of the week this week. I'd like to see him, you know, find a little bit more consistency, um, hit some of those throws that we've been seeing him hit that he didn't hit, you know, against Kansas City. And then um, I, I, I want to hammer on this just because I, I believe in it and because I, I wanted to see him put here in the first place, but I think Najoku also needs to be moved to the slot more. Um, and I think, yes. you know, as we saw pointed out by Jake and many people asking him to, to be a blocker is just, it's like, I don't know. It's like asking me to be a defensive tackle it just doesn't make any sense. So I just, I, I want, I want to see them use him again as a featured player, but in the right capacity.
0: Asking Ninjoku to block is like asking you to do like tough math equations and understand the difference between a hyperbola and a parabola. Like it's just, it's, it's not putting somebody in a position where you're going to see them succeed long-term let's be honest.
1: Right. You just need to check your receipts on Twitter, sir, because you know, just so you know, I have visual receipts that a parabola is exactly what I described. It's it's, it's out there. there for the audience too. All, all
0: right. seven of our listeners are going to weigh in on this and they're going to, they're going to have thoughts. I, I promise you.
1: Um, it's going to be a recurring topic.
0: Yeah, no, I think that like, in, in closing, I think that Baker uh, did not play as well as Baker can play. And this is the first week in which it wasn't the team screwing him that caused it to happen. He just, he missed some, miss some throws that he usually makes. And I think that he will in the future. I think that when we look back on the season, or, you know, Parodity stays healthy, we're going to have, you know, between 12, 13 games worth of uh, data on Baker Mayfield. And it's going to look good. He's going to have good numbers. And you're going to see a guy who – as far as a rookie season goes, has a very productive rookie season. But over the next six games, as you said, you want to see him begin to make that jump. You want to see him begin to, you know, recognize pre and post snap what's going on a little bit faster. You just want to see him speed up the game. And I think that we will. I have no doubt at this point, and again, this is something that we can make fun of, that the the Browns have their guy and they have a guy that they're going to build around and that the outcomes from that is going to be, are going to be great.
1: Yep. Absolutely agree
0: stuff and i'm actually pretty impressed that he's managed to stay healthy this long you've seen him get binged and nicked up and 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 hit it takes he's taken some hits over the course of yeah. the season um but he has been he's continued to be available <coughs> you bounce back from him so i'm that is the biggest thing that we can hope for as fans is that he continues to stay healthy and he continues to get better yes sir agreed all right man you- well this has been a uh, fantastic podcast i appreciate um you making yourself available hopefully we get john back next week um In the meantime, go Browns, and hopefully they uh, they can win next
1: week. Absolutely, Josh. Good talking with you. You guys take it easy, and we'll uh, we'll see you again next week.
0: Go, man. Talk to you soon, brother. Also, listen to podcasts. Check it out.